For you, the listeners of My JavaScript Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Jonathan Carter. Jonathan, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Charles. Yeah, thanks for coming. Do you want to give just a brief introduction since we haven't had you on the show for a while? Yeah, yeah. Um, So as you said, my name is Jonathan Carter. Um, I'm a PM at Microsoft. Um, Actually, just had my 10-year anniversary at Microsoft, so I've been out here uh, quite a while. Um, Been been a web developer for over 15 years, Um, and then in my time at Microsoft, you know, had the the opportunity to work on tooling and platform pieces for uh, nearly every kind of JavaScript application possible from mobile, web, uh, desktop. Um, and so kind of had a lot of, a lot of, uh, fun in the, the JavaScript space over the last decade. Um, and yeah, uh, that's kind of me. Cool. And we had you on for a special episode we did about Azure. Uh, yeah. Sp- yeah. Sponsored by Microsoft and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, as part of that uh, tour of duty at Microsoft, um, yep, worked on uh, our Node.js uh, development uh, story for Azure um, as part of of uh, the last year. Um, and then, you know, right now I'm kind of doing more tooling stuff in the Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code uh, side of the house. So, very cool. Yeah, I I wind up talking to John Papa on a regular basis. He he does the Node JavaScript Azure stuff these days. Uh, yep. He's a regular on Adventures in Angular. And then um, we talked to Chris Dias and PJ Meyer, um, yep. as well as Amanda Silver, about all of the goings on with TypeScript and Visual Studio Code. And Yep. So I, I work for Amanda, and Chris is a peer of mine. And uh, so it's, yeah, kind of a small world um, of folks on the team within Visual Studio. Yep. yep. Cool stuff. Well, yeah. let's let's go back before Microsoft uh, hop in the Wayback Machine and yeah. uh, talk about when you got into programming. How did you get into programming? Yeah, so I got into it. Um, I mean, in my house, we actually didn't have a computer in the house till I was 15. Um, so I was not particularly tech savvy, um, unfortunately. Uh, but my uncle really was. He was the clerk of, of court in the small town in Florida that I grew up in. And he was a bit of a pioneer in terms of using technology to, you know, try to innovate the way that the local government provided off services for, you know, the citizens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether that be making it easier to pay for parking tickets online, which, of course, at the time or today doesn't seem particularly novel, but back then it was. And uh, he, you know, was pretty active in terms of wanting to help me 
uh, with advice and, you know, beginning to think about a career, uh, so to speak. Um, and so he ended up kind of having me shadow and spend a little bit of time with the, the, the IT department that he had working for him, um, which is really kind of the first time I ever got exposed to, to software and, you know, the way of thinking uh, in terms of, you know, this the skill that you could use to solve problems and build things, you know, if you had an idea, um, you know, and I, at the time, like I said, I was really only just kind of having access to the internet. And so it was kind of a, you know, an opening for, for my inspiration to, to get, uh, you know, flamed by seeing what, you know, he was doing and, you know, what are people using the internet for? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of naturally just led to, you know, Hey, I want to have a website. Everybody has a website and Hey, you know, you learn a little bit here and there and you kind of pick up more skills doing a little bit of JavaScript. Although at the time there, you know, it wasn't a ton versus just trying to do as much as you could with HTML tags like marquee and blink. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was really the beginning. And then my best friend in high school kind of also got into it as well. And so we ended up just, you know, while I was in high school, I did dual enrollment at the local community college taking intro. Uh, funny enough, you know, a lot of people kind of think, oh, you know, you start programming, learning like C or Java. Whereas me, I ended up doing VB6 in in high school at the local community college during a, a period that I had off because I had a little bit more credits than I needed to to not be in school the whole time. Mm. Uh, and so that was interesting, right? Because I kind of got into programming almost from like the most basic uh, perspective, um, no pun intended. Um, but, you know, it, it, it quickly became... Uh, something I loved because, you know, VB6 was so amazing because like, I mean, in my case and many other people, you, you ended up not really needing a ton of, you know, um, formal skills to actually begin learning little by little. And next thing you know, you're building little apps and then you just kind of incrementally improve your skills. And, and so from there I ended up, you know, going on and learning more fundamentals and, you know, the things that people typically associate with, with computer science degrees. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was really it. Just like I said, my uncle, you know, I really attribute him being very active in my even understanding that there, there could be this interest in computer programming. And then, yeah, VB6, man, it was, uh, it was something. And so, you know, it was, it was not too long after that, that, that .NET became a thing. And, I wasn't particularly a Microsoft fanboy at the time, but it seemed interesting, at least from the perspective of being new, you know, so kind of like if you want to get into a brand new video game, uh, it feels intimidating to like join, you know, a game that's been out for two years. And by the time you, you you know, you try to do online play and everybody's way better than you. Uh, So in some ways, I remember feeling like .NET was like this level playing ground of like, oh, yeah, I, I can learn this and you know, some of the beginning jobs that I had, people didn't really know a lot about C Sharp and .NET. So it kind of ended up being a way for me to feel like I could add value and be interesting more rapidly as opposed to um, Java, um, which, of course, you know, at that time was something that there were people very senior at. So, yeah, nothing, nothing particularly grandiose. But, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, you know, I think like a lot of other people probably, you know, I think... Uh, 
you know, like I mentioned, getting access to the internet and you're looking for, for, for ways to, to justify what you're doing with your computer. And I mean, this is back in the AOL days. So you're, you know, I want to write an IRC bot. I want to script, you know, uh, AOL chat rooms. Oh man, you're taking me back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of just kind of scrappy boredom mixed with curiosity that led to me, you know, developing a series of miscellaneous skills that I didn't realize would lead to, you know, actually getting into software. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the rest is, is, is at that point, not, not all that different from, from many other people. Um, but, right. but yeah, yeah, it was, it was, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all good. I mean, it's interesting to hear the different ways that people come in and, you know, the, the sorts of mentorship that people get, um, mm-hmm. you know, for me, my my dad was interested in computers. He was one of the he beta tested Dentrix, <laughs> oh, okay, which is dental dental office software. You know, back in the uh, early nineties, um, back when it was kind of a revolutionary thing. And uh, so we we had a computer growing up. Um, and anyway, it's it's just interesting. My my mentor was my grandfather. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. I mean, everybody comes in a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know that it necessarily matters how you come in, you know, we're, we're, we're happy to have you here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you're in, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just find it fascinating. And then, yeah, you know, I, I think we all kind of identify with the, the story of, well, you know, I, I learned this technology and then. Um, I wound up moving around to this other technology and then eventually, you know, you wind up where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is certainly, uh, something that I try to keep reminding myself cause it's, you know, easy to feel like, you know, where we're at in our career is, you know, some, some statement of who we are, but really at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's a long series of opportunities and luck and, you know, uh, you know, coincidence, um, that, uh, that, yeah, I, uh, I've been very fortunate and had, had, a uh, good, good, good projects and things to work on that have kept the experience and the journey super interesting so far. Yep. Now you mentioned that you were doing Node.js on Azure and that's what we had you on the show to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how did you get into JavaScript? Yeah. I mean, really, you know, I, like I was saying, I had done some desktop development when I first got into software, largely because that was the projects that I was getting the opportunity to do. But, you know, I quickly got into web development. But in the beginning of, you know, my software career, that was, of course, traditional. You know, I did PHP, I did Cold Fusion, like I mentioned, I did ASP.NET. It was all very much server driven, you know, uh, quote unquote, post back type mm-hmm. web apps. Um, and it was actually uh, one of the jobs I had. I was working at a newspaper in their software division. And one of the other uh, programmers on the team, I, I vividly remember the day he was talking about something I'd never heard of called Ajax. Um, <laughs> and I mean, for many people probably remember that, too. Of It was almost like the first time that it was like, wow, I guess it's not just, you know, because JavaScript was... Mm-hmm less of a skill in a community and more of like, well, if I can't do it with like HTML and CSS, I yeah. guess I'll figure out what to do. Um, cause this is even pre jQuery. Um, 
And, uh, and so, yeah, Ajax and in that world and like, Hey, look what people are beginning to do. Um, it was, it was inspiring because it of course challenged the new level of richness in apps, not just, you know, the using JavaScript as like this random consequence of, well, that's what you need to do for the web to achieve this feature. Um, and so I was heavily inspired by that developer on that team. And, you know, uh, I think I ended up, you know, there were some really early JavaScript user groups in the area that I was living at, which was Sarasota, Florida. The uh, subsequent releases of ASP.NET also began to, uh, you know, heavily favor and introduce additional capabilities to to do more client-side development. And, and then jQuery came out. And uh, yeah, I just became very inspired by pushing those boundaries and like, yeah, I want to write apps that, that feel better, work better. And, uh, you know, ride that wave kind of as the browsers start to become more rich, um, which is, of course, was a, was a long journey um, because it kind of felt like it took a while to get to the point where we're at now. But but, hey, you know, we take a lot for granted of what you can do with JavaScript. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, that was 15 years ago. And so when I joined Microsoft, I was you know working on the ASP.NET team really, really interested in, you know, rich client, you know, web development. Then I, you know, had the opportunity to work on the, uh, the IE developer tools team for a few years. Now the edge, the edge tools. Then I worked on Cordova tooling and visual studio and, and react native tooling. And, you know, I got to work on a various developer services for for uh cordova and react native development one of which called code push um which kind of let you do out of out of band updates to mobile apps that didn't need to go through the store um and then now you know then i spent you know wanted to help improve the node developer experience on azure so really my yeah my passion has, has pretty much been in in javascript and web for for you know over the last 10 years and it really just got started by, you know, happening to, to work with people that were very well connected and watching the latest trends and kind of helped me tune into it, you know, back when it was kind of the stone age for web development, but but still exciting because, you know, it was that pivot point of, you know, hey, you know, we knew you could do kind of stuff on the client side, but it was just easier to do everything on the server. And then Ajax came around and it was like, OK, I guess we have to actually start thinking about this more seriously. JavaScript is a skill, not just like a a checkbox. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my story. And then, I mean, with me, there, I would say that the reason I've stayed, because like the, how I got into it was partly necessity, but also partly, you know, industry trends. But. I've continued to stay and my passion is in the JavaScript and web community just because, you know, at least for me, and this is quite subjective, but it continues to be the source of, you know, inspiration and excitement in terms of, you know, my interests and, and skill set in, in software development. Um, some people, of course, think that, you know, there's definitely a fatigue element to it, um, but uh, I'm a bit of a glutton of, for pain in terms of learning new <laughs> skills. And so, yeah, I just I love how how much the community challenges themselves and you continue to see, you know, new trends that that end up coming from the JavaScript community. Um, And even the people that are not necessarily big fans of JavaScript, 
you know, have have still had to come to respect the fact that there's a lot of great work that come from, you know, the community of people, whether it be, you know, the Electron subcommunity or, uh, you know, React Native or Angular or Vue.js. Um, it's just a it's a really inspiring uh, ecosystem yeah. to be a part yeah. of. And I love and I love working on developer tooling and services and working with with people in that ecosystem. So nice. So I'm I'm curious, what's it like working on the developer tools as opposed to necessarily doing the development like web development and things like that? Yeah, you know, um, it's very different. Like I remember, you know, because I before I joined Microsoft, I had worked at a handful of. ISVs and agencies and, you know, consultant shops were, you know, there was a lot of fun for me in the sense that you are building very specific applications for very specific customers or industries. And so you can see the the fruit of your labor of like, wow, I helped, you know, X company scale their success. And I can, you know, see and think about that um, I can go to that website and remember how fun it was, you know, the late nights to to deliver that. Um, and of course, you learn something about that industry as well, right? Like usually, if you're going and building a e-commerce site for construction, you know, equipment or dentistry, um, you end up kind of acquiring a lot of interesting uh, points of knowledge by working with these people in those fields. Um, and so I, you know, I really enjoyed that time. Coming to Microsoft, I think it was interesting because, it, you know, working on tools and platforms targeting JavaScript development in a way is just a forcing function to have to, like, learn certain things at a level deeper than I would have maybe otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, one of the first things I worked on in Visual Studio was a revamp of the editor in Visual Studio for JavaScript. And by that, I mean, like, support for auto-completion, formatting you know, everything to the the simple stuff that we take for granted of like when you hit, you know, enter on a line, making sure that the cursor goes to the right indentation level that you would expect versus having to manually tab or space. And so when I worked on that, it was like the first time I had to go and read the ECMAScript spec and learn at a much more formal level, the JavaScript language and the semantics of, you know, uh, what's, what's valid and what's not. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was very interesting, uh, kind of on a very different level. And, uh, you know, also, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of work with a very broad global community of, of JavaScript developers and seeing the vast difference of, of requirements and scenarios they have, um, and then working with them to understand how to satisfy those requirements in a way that works for you know, as many people as possible without creating something convoluted that has a bunch of one-offs that, you know, it's not very usable for anybody. So, yeah, it's a very different beast. And, uh, you know, I think there's pros and cons to both. You know, I definitely, mm-hmm. you know, I like to scratch the itch of doing actual app development once in a while, usually helping out my family members or friends. Um, probably a lot of us at Microsoft do that. Um, you know, my brother has a a pretty successful satellite phone business that uh, I get the, the pleasure of helping him work on his website once in a while. And that that's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I think it's just really, you know, the ecosystem as a whole works better when you have people that are optimizing their focus on different layers of a function 
Um, and so uh, I enjoy the time that I that I have on on tools and services. Um, but yeah, it's 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 different. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's really exciting. Cool. Is there anything that you've uh, built or worked on in some of these tools that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff. I mean, I would say when I worked on the IE developer tools, the area that I ended up investing a lot of my energy on was the profiling tools. Um, so like memory profiling and CPU profiling and network profiling. And I was proud of on one side, you know, our goal was to how could we help simplify um, profiling, which in many ways is a skill that not every developer has had the opportunity to to acquire, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how could we simplify it to a point that it became more ubiquitous for for web devs to, you know, not necessarily do it all the time, you know, but if you're working on a feature or, you know, you're you're wanting to do some basic performance analysis, you know, how simple could we make that? And, uh, you know, when I worked on it, obviously, like many projects, I moved off, you know, at, at some point, and I don't think we got to necessarily achieve the level of, of simplicity that I would have loved to have gotten to at that point. Um, you know, I still found it really rewarding to, to work with users uh, and web developers uh, and see that progression of like, you know, people that hadn't ever really thought about um, memory analysis, for example, you know, come to this point where it's like, wow, I was able to, you know, within a few minutes, find a memory leak that um, we would have never been able to solve, which was fun, right? Because you have a lot of web developers that came from maybe a background of having done mostly server side applications, where you don't have to care as much about memory on the client side, because you'll just refresh the page and, you know, you effectively do a massive GC. Um, right. Whereas you now are building significant you know, very rich client applications that people might leave running for a long time that you want to be very reliable. Um, and so it was cool, you know, to try to help build tools that can kind of meet people where they're at and say, hey, you might not realize that you've run into a need um, that uh, the tools need to, to, to help pick up some slack to, you know, simplify for you. Um, so that was that was really fun. Um, and then the other thing I think that I was really, I really enjoyed was that service I mentioned code push, um, just because we built it and released it pretty much right at the beginning of when react native was getting started. Uh -huh. And, you know, I was a big Cordova fan, just like I am with electron largely because, you know, the idea of JavaScript being able to extend your skill set to another platform and make you more productive as quickly as possible is just awesome. Um, but, you know, React Native was really exciting because, of course, React was very exciting. And the idea of having native UI versus the web view um, was exciting. And so um, in a way, you know, we got to build this service that was solving a really tangible problem that a lot of people recognized was a problem. But we found not many people ever did anything about it. And that was, yeah, I hate the long review times of the App Store. Right. Hate getting bug reports from my customers that, you know, we can't give them a tangible ETA because it could take days to get the update out to them. And so it was kind of a twofold thing that was exciting. One was getting to ride the wave of, of excitement and, and, and ideas of React Native from the ground up. At the same time, getting to, um, getting to help 
people realize like, hey, you know how we've always talked about doing these out of band over the air updates? What if it was so simple that you couldn't not do it? Um, and so like working with people to try to, you know, much like the performance profiling, how do we make this this opportunity become, you know, very, very natural as part of your workflow? And I loved working on that project. That was probably, you know, one of my more uh, exciting and, and fun projects that I got to work on. That was a couple of years ago. Um, but the stuff I'm working on now is also equally exciting. So yeah, probably Code Push and, and the IE now Edge developer tools. I really liked my time working on those. Nice. And I can tell you that uh, I've talked to plenty of React Native and Cordova developers that I don't think they could live without Code Push. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it does. It takes away all the pain that you brought up as, as I guess, um, spelling out this as a solution. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a really convenient way to stay on top of a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun in some ways. And this is a bit, of course, egotistical and me just trying to. But I, I used to always think about it, you know, in the same way that Ajax was like this thing that people knew they wanted to do. But it took a little while before it became so simple uh, that everybody did it. Um, you know, once you had the library and framework support. Uh, in some ways, I like finding those challenges where it's, you know, problems that many people recognize they would like to solve, they would like to do, but the tooling or the platforms are just not there yet to make it a slam dunk because people, right. we're all very busy, right? Like w within our team, it's like we always like to say, you know, how do you, how do you help somebody solve a problem over their lunch hour, right? And uh -huh. if, if they get confused and they get hung up, then you failed those, you know, that, that person, um, not in an altruistic way, just in like, I mean, I'm like this, right? I, I when I get home at the end of the day, I'm going to play with my kids and spend time with my wife. But I have that 45 minute commute on the bus where I'm going to look into something. And if I can feel like I achieved something, I'm probably going to keep going with that product. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I like, I like working on those kind of challenges. Um, and code push was definitely one of them. Nice. Well, I know that you are now working on some of the other tooling, and you mentioned um, at the before we started recording, you mentioned what you were working on. Um, I actually got to see it in action somewhat at Microsoft Connect. Um, so why don't you go ahead and talk about the stuff you're doing with Visual Studio Code and the live sharing feature that they announced there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, over the last you know, six or so months I've been working on um, a handful of, you know, capabilities that are really aimed at trying to improve developer collaboration. And one of which is is something that, as you mentioned, we released at, at Connect, um, or we announced at Connect called Visual Studio Live Share. And really what that is, is it's a an attempt to help developers work together in a way that is more natural then they might be able to otherwise using solutions that we have today, all of which are really good, by the way, um, screen sharing, Slack, JS, you know, Slack snippet sharing. There's a lot or, you know, Git, right. Collaborating that way. There's a lot of great solutions. Um, but you know, each of them are more catered to specific scenarios than others. And what we really found was that, you know, many developers have their own personal setup, whether that's 
I'm using VS Code on a Mac with my specific theme and this font and my window placement. Um, and you're on, you know, Windows with VS or, you know, another editor. Um, and there's so many levels of customization that go into you and I feeling comfortable with our setup. And so really kind of what we sought out to achieve is how can we make it such that you and I can collaborate without having to pull each other out of our comfort zone, so to speak. And so what LiveShare is, is a way for, you know, a developer using currently VS and VS Code to simply share the project they're working on with n number of other developers. And that does not require them to learn any new tools or use a, a you know, um, a litany of services um, or upload, you know, your code to some centralized service um, simply to have a shared coordination spot. It's almost like you're projecting or remoting your current environment, but in a way that is, you know, sharing your context, so to speak, not your screen. And so you from VS or VS Code can join my live share session. We're both seeing the same project, the files. You can do navigation capabilities, auto-completion, refactoring, and that's all going to work um, off of the language services that I have on my machine. We can debug the project collaboratively. We can edit the files collaboratively in real time. So very, you know, Google Docs-esque. Many people, you know, say Google Docs for developers. Um, you know, we have capabilities for sharing uh, the debug output um, for sharing application ports. So if we're doing ASP.NET or Node development, you know, I from my VS Code instance can share with you, hit F5, and now when you join me from VS or VS Code, it doesn't matter, you'll jump into that debug session, we can both step, um, but you'll also see the app running on your machine that's coming from mine. And so that removes a lot of those, you know, doesn't repro for me problems if I'm seeking help from you because I, you know, I'm hitting a bug in this this work item that I'm trying to track, or I need your advice because I noticed that, you know, you touched this file last and I'm trying to change something and I'm just looking for a little bit more clarity. Mm -hmm. um, and so really it's kind of trying to, to help provide that seamless natural collaboration in your tool while still providing the ability to share more than just files, right? Because you could just zip up your project and send it to me, which of course is static. Um, and so having the ability for, for developers to collaboratively edit in real time, as well as as the need arises, collaboratively debug, collaboratively run the application. Um, and you can imagine other scenarios to make you know, the, the life cycle of, of app development more collaborative as well, that holistically kind of make up what we think is an interesting new uh, interaction pattern for developers that are not necessarily just remote, um, mm -hmm. but maybe you're working from home. Maybe, you know, we talked to a lot of people that they're all in the same building, but you might be on different floors or you're on the other side of the building, or it's just more natural and easy for you to not have to get up and walk over to somebody's desk to talk to them right. about it. Um, and so, yeah, in, in a way, we're it's exciting because, um, you know, collaboration and teamwork, you know, we all know there's the those famous you know, insights that a lot of times we spend more time reading code than writing it. And, you know, certainly if that's mm -hmm. true and, you know, teams are best, you know, our velocity is highest when we're working together, 
then it, you know, it just feels like the, the better we can improve collaboration and make it easier for, for developers to work together um, in a way that doesn't require you to have to just, you know, you stare at my screen while I'm doing something. If you want to take control, you have to tell me what to do. And, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. maybe you're not familiar with, you know, the the tool that I'm using. And so you kind of have to orient yourself. Like for me, even the simplest thing of any time I'm trying to help somebody and I'm now having to type on their keyboard, it's like, it takes me like a minute to calibrate just the keyboard, let alone, you know, the, the OS environment and, you know, their IDE and and editor. And those little things can add up. Um, as you are doing more frequent pair programming or doing, uh, code reviews, um, collaboratively or seeking help on a bug, um, et cetera. And so if you can save that time and that barrier of entry, um, then we're excited to, you know, to see how much that can help teams, uh, you know, be more successful. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we've had a lot of these technologies for a while, but the ability to sort of go beyond just the screen sharing or go beyond how you have things configured different for me mm-hmm. and allow me to just operate on the code as naturally as I would, even yep. though it's a project that you're working on. That, that, that was the thing that really appealed to me. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of great, like I want to give a shout out to, there's so many great tools out there today that enable collaboration, but in some cases you have to learn one or more of those. So you have like NG rock, if you want to do, you know, uh, internet tunneling of you have a, a, an app on your, a web app on your machine and I want you to see it, but we're not on the same subnet. That's an amazing tool. You know, people that are very comfortable from the command line, you know, using Tmux and having somebody SSH into your machine is also another really great workflow, but not everybody's comfortable with that. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to, with LiveShare, make it such that, you know, how is it that these capabilities to collaborate at a very rich level, you know, the barrier of entry is as close to zero as possible, because if you're already using VS and VS Code, it's just a matter of clicking the button to say share. Um, and then everything else from there is what you would already do. Mm-hmm. So if you want to debug with the person, you just hit F5, and then that's it. Uh, and so, you know, I think... You know, we're pretty excited to see how people, how they use it. Yep, absolutely. Is there anything else you're working on now that you want to talk about? I think I think this tool kind of speaks for itself. And if you're still not sure exactly what we're talking about, um, go watch the the talk from or the keynote from uh, Microsoft Connect, and that'll give you some idea. Uh, I think if you see it, you'll see why we're both excited about it. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, really. I'm working on a few other things, but nothing particularly that interesting and, and relevant to share. Really, live share is uh, my focus right now. Um, and so excited to hear feedback from people. Awesome. All right. So the, the last part of this uh, podcast is picks. And, yeah. Uh, you were on the show before, so you know how picks yep. work. Uh, yeah. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. 
and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. I do. I have two picks. One is uh, an app called Notion. And the reason I want to bring this up is it's, it is a note-taking app for individuals and teams, which there are many of them. Uh, but uh, I was on a quest personally to find something easier and better for my workflow um, for effectively capturing little bits of knowledge that I acquire you know, every day in a way that I can find it again um, and organize the way that my mind you know, seems to, to index and catalog information. And it took me a while to find one, but I, there's this app called Notion um, uh, that has an iOS, a web, and an Electron desktop client that I'm in love with. And I mainly want to shout it out because I feel like every week on Twitter, I'm seeing somebody else saying, please, dear God, help me with a recommendation for a good <laughs> note-taking app. And so, uh, you know, if anybody listening has that same question, uh, I, I've really enjoyed the app. The second shout out is, uh, you know, randomly, I just came back from parental leave, uh, was out three months uh, speaking uh, baby speak and loving life. Um, and weirdly enough, I got on kind of a metal music kick. And so uh, recently, this band that I just discovered called Architects released a new album called Doomsday. Uh-huh. Uh, that is really awesome. I've been listening to it while while coding lately. Um there's vocals, but it's enough unintelligibleness that it kind of doesn't distract you. Um, but it's, it's really good. So anybody that's interested in that genre, I would recommend it very highly. Nice. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a pick and um, what we've termed, I guess, on these shows, an anti-pick. Okay. Um, so my wife has some back pain, and we wound up a, a number of years ago getting a, a bed that, you know, solved a lot of those issues for her back. And when we bought the bed, they promised us that the bed would last us, you know, 20 years. In fact, they had a 20-year warranty on it. Um, and, you know, it the within the first 10 years, you would get a, you know, full replacement, no, no cost, no nothing. And then the second 10 years, you know, it would go down every, every mm-hmm. year. Right. And um, so anyway, so we had the bed for about eight years and it started giving her back pain. So I called them up and tried to read him the warranty and they told me to forget it. So I am mostly just coming out here to let people know because I've probably talked about the bed before and I want to retract any endorsement I've given to it. Um, the company's IntelliBed. And yeah, if, if you want to buy the bed, uh, just keep in mind that if you have any problems with it, they won't honor the warranty. Um, the flip side is, is that uh, we did buy a new bed. And I'm pretty happy with it. It's from Tuft and Needle. And it's kind of along the lines of the Caspers or the Purples. Uh, there are a number of companies out there that do kind of the same thing. So they send you a foam bed. You pull it out of the box and you cut the box open. And the thing takes up half the room. And anyway, 
Um, but they give you a hundred nights, you know, free trial. And um, they, they also, all of these have like a forever long warranty, but um, I've been pretty happy with what we've gotten from them. So, uh, so far I'm pretty happy with it. So um, if you're looking for a bed and you've got some kind of back pain, um, I recommend that you try out some of these foam mattresses first because they give you that hundred night warranty. So you sleep on it for a month or two, figure out if it's going to work for you. And then if it doesn't, then you can send it back and try a different one. So yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to pick tough to needle and, uh, warn people away from IntelliBed. I'm actually looking for a bed. So I will, uh, keep your recommendation in mind. Yep. Cool. Um, well, if people want to see what you're working on these days or anything like that, do you have a blog or Twitter or GitHub that people ought to look at? Yeah, you know, I haven't uh, been blogging lately. So, uh, yeah, I would just recommend people look me up on either Twitter or GitHub. My uh, <clears throat> my handle is Lost in Tangent. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty active on both. Um, and yeah, I would love love to hear from folks that are interested in live share or JavaScript and VS Code and Azure, or all of the above. Um, so yeah, anything that we talked about today, I'd, I'd love love to hear from folks. Awesome. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Jonathan. Thank you so much. All right, we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.